Well, welcome to a special edition of Over a Barrel Live from the PDI Users Conference 2023 in Denver and in front of a studio audience. Maybe something new. Yeah, something new. We've got a lot of eyeballs looking at us right now, and uh, always on. You've got a little sweat on the forehead already, and it's okay. I'm Matt McLean. This is a co-host, Patrick Dehan, and thanks so much for joining us. We have got a lot to discuss. There's a lot of craziness going on in the world right now, especially when it comes to the tropics. I mean, there's so much out there that we can uh, actually begin on a topic with. So you get to choose. You drew the short straw. What do you oh want to talk about it, first? You know, to, to have this session time just like this when everything's going on, it's like, who timed this? It was just absolutely perfect, as Matt mentioned. Uh, we have uh, soon-to-be Hurricane Adalia out churning. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. The wholesale price of gasoline's plummeting. Consumers facing Labor Day. Uh, everyone wants to know what's going to happen. So, I mean, any shortage of those. And keep in mind, refinery issue late last week that everyone's been asking about at the Marathon Refinery in Garyville, Louisiana. That caused prices to go up. And, you know, just any sort of this combination. And in the background, we always have the conversations at conferences like this about the transition to EVs. So we'll even cover that probably in the second half of this podcast today so yeah there's a lot of stuff you want to start talking about the tropics first because that seems to be on everybody's mind uh, right before we began recording this podcast some folks are going i don't know if i'm going to make my connecting flight back from this conference i mean there's a lot of stuff going on with that so uh, you know the very latest uh, tropical storm idalia uh, we are monitoring that obviously from a petroleum side as well yeah. because there are uh, quite a few infrastructure situations that are in the Gulf of Mexico as well as along the coastal lines. So it is expected at this point to be a major hurricane, Category 3 or 4, uh, sometime within the next 24 to 48 hours and may impact a large portion of the west coast of Florida into the panhandle. And so we are monitoring that very carefully right here on Over a Barrel as well. You've been keeping a very watchful eye on its impact with petroleum products, especially Port Tampa, which is the state's largest port by land and by uh, actual tonnage as well. They are the biggest port in Florida. And from what I understand, uh, they're shut down. They are shut down. So there's uh, there's a problem right there. So the artery that comes from the Gulf Coast, Florida, much of anything south of really, I'm trying to think of a nice imaginary line, really just a little bit south of Jacksonville, an hour. If you slice the rest of the state off, all that product is coming in with barges, Port Tampa, Port Everglades, uh, Port Canaveral, Port Jacksonville. Uh, right now, it looks like a lot of the tanker traffic trying to really get around, uh, you know, the Keys right now and get into the eastern half of Florida. Um, I think we have a waiver out there already from Florida in terms of the restriction. Uh, federal motor carriers allowing drivers to go a little bit above and beyond, which is kind of the uh, status quo when you have an event like this is, uh, the bureaucrats uh, immediately try and cut some of that red tape and, and let the shipments flow. Um, an interesting condition that kind of exacerbated this problem yesterday, or actually over the weekend, was a, uh, uh, an issue at Sitco's uh, uh, rack there in Tampa, contaminated fuel. They accidentally loaded some diesel in the gasoline. That's not a good thing. And especially, Oops. yeah, <laughs> you need a lot of gasoline for these types of events when there's likely to be millions of people evacuating, and now even more so. Um, went to bed last night. It was uh, forecasted to be a model, uh, excuse me, a category two. And now, as you mentioned, a three. And it kind of looks Possibly like there's a, a little bit of an upward pressure there. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that are happening right now. Um, but what we're watching, too, is Gas Buddy. Just within the last half hour, we've activated our emergency fuel tracker. So anyone listening to this podcast, 
Um, and in Florida, Georgia, and South Carolina, that basically enhances your Gas Buddy app experience. You'll be able to see on the top that they're going to be in an area of a natural disaster or a predicted natural disaster. And uh, Gas Buddy users, as well as station owners, anyone that has a station can start submitting their status data on whether their station has fuel, has power, and doesn't. Uh, that has been a real uh, popular tool back during uh, Hurricane Harvey in 2017. That was really the, yeah. the perfect storm, so to speak. Harvey shutting down refineries in Houston and then Irma uh, disrupting the flow of what product was available. And that was really kind of the that was the moment when Gas Buddy's app hit number one in the App Store first time ever. So we've activated that special ability uh, for motors to be able to find gasoline if they're heading out of the state on 75 or 95. I think those are the two. Yep, 75. Uh, for some reason, if you're going inland on I-4 over to Orlando, you know, there might be some of those people that are flocking to the eastern half of the state. Um, but we've now... Uh, enabled that access. Um, so, you know, Giles is running around. He's a business pages rep for Gas Buddy. Um, you know, if you'd like to talk about submitting that information, otherwise, a lot of that's crowdsourced. So, as motors are trying to get out of harm's way, Gas Buddy has activated that tool, and um, we're going to get some of that outage data. And uh, in times past, we've also worked with various levels of, you know, Florida government. Uh, FEMA to direct resources to wherever that data is saying we have a problem. So, uh, we sit here and there's a lot of activity going on and we'll have to see what it looks like. But uh, again, we're also, you know, just a couple of days away from Labor Day. So always something going on in fuel markets. It's always a little bit exciting. Prices have been inching down um, and that happens into the, uh, the fall as well. But we are getting into the peak of hurricane season. There could be another disruption behind this one. It's gotten very, went from very quiet to very active very quickly. It's because we're here. That's why Mother Nature knows, you know, hey, I'm got a couple my- of laughs on that one, at least you probably couldn't hear it over the podcast. But for now, it's like, you know, everybody's staring at us. It's just kind of one of those things, you know, uh, one thing that we do want to point out uh, for those of you listening in Florida as well, uh, there is always a lot of. I won't say panic because that's the wrong word to use, but a lot of concern, I think, is a better way of putting it. And some folks may not fully understand every aspect of what they can do. So, for example, you go to your nearby grocery store. Well, it's already been ransacked because of the bottled water. It's all yeah. gone. Everything's gone. You know, convenience stores. Maybe that's an option that's for That's the place, folks, yeah. Because convenience stores usually have water. And that may be an area where folks can do that. One other question that I want maybe for you to please explain for folks that, you know, there's a lot of different areas, EVs, for example, even the Florida Department of Emergency was saying, please keep your, your, your vehicles charged prior to the storm. That's a new challenge. It is because when the power outage goes, it's days. You're stuck. For, or, or longer, yep. could even be longer, but also your fuel tanks at least half full. Some folks may not realize because some people are just mechanically challenged and that's okay that maybe your local gas station is out of regular unleaded and that's what you think your vehicle will will only take and there's Mm -hmm. plenty of premium. Is it okay to fill a vehicle with premium? Yeah, absolutely. To your point, I mean, regular is one of the things that becomes more challenged. And whenever we see disruptions like this, it kind of is a domino effect. Regular goes first, then mid-grade, then premium. Um, and you know, th- there's a cost difference to stations. And a lot of the time when that happens, when regular is a run on, uh, stations will offer premium. Sometimes they're gracious enough to say, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll give you the price for regular and, and you can get premium. And so it, it's kind of a domino effect and it becomes really hard for stations to stay ahead of the curve when, 
you know, every tank you're getting five to 15 gallons above and beyond, right? We see the average transaction shoot up because, you know, during the colonial outage, <laughs> people come in with plastic bags and they're just yeah. filling any sort of, and we recommend people don't do that, by the way. Um, Please. That, I think that's obvious, <laughs> but let's say it again here. Don't get your Rubbermaid containers, your storage bins. This is not a safe way to dispense gasoline. If the C-Store sees that, they may say something to you because it's not safe for them either. Uh, there is liability involved, but yeah, absolutely to your point. Um, it's hard enough for stations to stay well supplied, but you can absolutely put in a higher octane than you need. The if only it, if it's needed. Yeah, absolutely. If your car says 87, if you always put regular in, well, if regular is not needed, you're not going to have anything to worry about. If you put in higher octane, your car can't take advantage of it, but it will run just fine on it. Yeah, that's important. to Just know. don't put in diesel. Yeah, if please. you need gasoline, do not, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. And that incident that you mentioned, uh, multiple dozens of gas stations did receive that tainted fuel, by the way. And so there are a lot of folks uh, that I know that the governor of Florida talked about that had already... Uh, unfortunately yeah. fueled up uh, with the tainted gas. So there's a lot of issues going on. And then there's that. liability and, you know, yeah. whoever's fault that is generally, you know, it, it's generally not the station owner uh, in this instance. I mean, there, there can be mistakes. I mean, this is humans. Uh, but I think in this case, it was a barge of diesel that may have inadvertently been pumped into gasoline tanks at the rack. And that's where then the, the, the trucks that come and fill up with it unbeknownst to them are filling up with a product that is contaminated and that's why i think at a very high level this time around uh we saw that message from sitco that we noticed that there's contamination happening and so you know that ends up in you know to what we talked about yep. last podcast that gasoline doesn't just go to sitco stations it goes to many stations like 7-eleven there's a lot of the sitco that provides some to 7-eleven yes. uh, bj's wholesale clubs. clubs yeah there were some uh, clubs mentioned there as well so um, again, if uh, anyone filled up with that, you obviously don't want to start your car, or if it does, you're going to see some check engine lights. You'll take it to a mechanic, you know, you'll drain the, the fuel tank, and then you'll fill up with fresh gasoline. But these issues do happen occasionally. Yeah. Uh, it's not the end of the world. It is, a, you know, a, a big pain in the uh, the behind, especially with evacuation orders. You know, that's, that's going to be a challenge. But, you know, uh, kind of talking about all of this now, we have the EV side, the EV side of things. What do you do? You know, when um, when you have a hurricane that is probably going to cut power, where can you fill up fast chargers? That's a whole new chapter. Uh, and what we're familiar with here is the liquid fuels of it, and that's the beauty of liquid fuels, right? Is that the fuel is there? There's plenty out of it around. Um, the problem is just getting it into your tank. Electricity, that's a much bigger problem because yeah. it's not like you can just go down to any gas station and find an EV charger. Your, your, your local convenience store generator is probably not going to be able to handle charging an EV. That's that you're absolutely and, right. And, that's you know, it's interesting in Florida as well. You know, there, there are regulations that they have to have hookups for generators in this type of instance, but they're not required to. So we learn very quickly that, you know, when fuel networks work normally, it's a beautiful thing. People can come fill up and leave. But when there are, you know, threats to the infrastructure, whether it be fuel, electricity, uh, things become disrupted. And it's really hard for stations to stay caught up. And keep in mind, too, when you have a port or a rack shut down where stations are normally sending their tanker truck drivers, they're going to have to go further distances, which means that there's less efficiency which is really why then you start to scramble. Fuel networks can't quite work as quickly. And especially when motorists are filling up with 10, 15, 20 gallons multiple times a day, that's where the strain comes in. The kink 
is really at the local rack where stations are pulling product is there's the the semi trucks are waiting in line to to fill their you know eight or ten thousand gallon uh truck as well so you know a lot of motorists are you know they don't understand how fuel networks work and that becomes the choke point just like we saw in port everglades remember that yeah. fort lauderdale just a couple of months ago 18 inches of rain and lost power and some of those racks were not um, being able to be utilized and we saw a backup and that was just during a normal, you know, there wasn't really any exacerbating situation like a hurricane. People just couldn't fill up or, you know, that's where we rely on infrastructure and when infrastructure doesn't work, there can be some problems. But um, So speaking of problems, Port Tampa itself, it's a large, obviously a port uh, that, that handles so many different things. Uh, folks may not fully realize the entire region that Port Tampa supplies fuel to. If it goes underwater, uh, I know that the storm surge warnings are out and it becomes a flooded situation. That's not just Tampa Bay that it's impacting as far as fuel. Yeah. I mean, we're talking what, Orlando? Yeah, so the, the pipeline carries fuel from Orlando, uh, excuse me, from Tampa to Orlando. And this really just highlights how infrastructure, how reliant we are, whether it's, whether it's Florida in this situation, or back in 2021, the Colonial Pipeline goes down. And, you know, by the way, kind of reviewing, doing a postmortem, I think a lot of that was simply just hoarding, just exacerbated the situation. Yeah. I think 95% of the fuel situation due to the Colonial was not normal demand. It was above and beyond, right? If there wouldn't have been such a problem, if people wouldn't have hoarded, it, it would have been very minimal. And again, we're seeing this pop up too in Arizona this spring for those on the West Coast exacerbating factors were the fact that Arizona has its own blend. The population boom in Florida and Arizona is, is you know, there's not necessarily additional infrastructure to bring the fuel in. So you talk about Florida and, you know, millions of population increase for the last five years and suddenly you need uh, more barges, you need more capacity. There's only the pipeline that runs from uh, Tampa to Orlando. So infrastructure sometimes hasn't kept up with the population boom. Uh, and a great example of that is Arizona, where Kinder Morgan, who is a pipeline operator, um, is soliciting bids to expand its pipeline from California to Arizona. So it's a lot of the complexity talking to people that don't understand why prices shoot up is because gasoline has a difficulty sometimes getting to where it needs to go. So for those of you here with us, uh, how many are representing convenience stores in our in our audience today? Well, there's quite a few. Um, are, there, are there other uh, entities that are represented, uh, petroleum companies or, uh, yeah, and then, and then you've got maybe freight or transportation companies? Yeah, there's a. a, a am I missing? We've anybody? got across the board covered in we here. We do. So if uh, you can fact check Patrick, don't worry about yeah, me. Any Just fact check Patrick. Any questions? Bring them up here. You know, <laughs> if you have anything to add, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, that does. Uh, you know, you were reading my mind, which is kind of <laughs> that happens sometimes. We've known each other for a while, but uh, if you all have any questions, we would love to. You know, be placed on the spot. He would. I'll get over it, but no, uh, <laughs> we would love to actually have those questions because from your perspective, we'd love to hear that. Your convenience store perspective, your petroleum perspective. And our audience. I mean, there's some you know really yeah. interesting perspective here to cover. Um, a lot of our users are going into your C stores, they're filling their tanks and, and they're hoarding the your gas. They're just doing all kinds of crazy. <laughs> they're they're filling it up plastic with plastic bags. bags, right? So, I mean, you know, uh, uh, these two lovely ladies have microphones. If you want to just raise your hands and don't worry, we won't, uh, you know, uh, broadcast your full name or anything along those lines. You don't have to worry about that or even necessarily what, uh, what you're representing. But if you have any questions, we'd love to hear them and we'd love to see if we can maybe provide some answers for those. You know, or if it, you just have any information you want to add to it. 
but and, and and kind of interesting too here for anyone that has a question go ahead but uh while we cover that you know we covered kind of under the canopy what happens during outages but as you mentioned earlier a lot of the first inkling when something happens is around the grocery store and that's a great opening for the trans uh, transformation we've really seen in C stores, right? It's not just at the pump with, you know, all these offerings and with outages that, and, and how to work around them, but, you know, you go inside and, and milk, eggs, bread sometimes at, at C stores, how much they've expanded fresh food. Yep. That's really an interesting part of this as well. And that's something we don't always, often cover, right? We usually talk about fuel trends, but really pertinent, especially for the summer road trip, that it's not like the Inky burger that it might've been back in the eighties and nineties. Uh, you know, there's still roller dogs, but there's a lot beyond that now. Fresh sandwiches. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Beef jerky, you know, yeah. the refrigerated stuff, you <laughs> know, the, very... the really good stuff, not, not just the Jack links. I like Jack links. There's a time and place, but, um, you know, there's, there's even a selection of beef jerky that you wouldn't expect anymore. I, you know, and in the refrigerated section, which means, you know, it's even better. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, he, he's right, I guess. We'll go with that. Any questions? Raise your hands. Anything? The comments? Complaints? I mean, you know, check with him. I don't oh, know. Oh, boy. I don't know. Don't, no. don't, you know, let's bring the complaints to the airlines. Uh, there's going to be a lot of those complaints, I think, in the next couple of days as we all head home. But And just for those who are listening on the podcast, we are going to make you clap at the end just so they don't think we're talking in a padded room to ourselves. <laughs> there so are you know. people here. We, there, there are, are people here, I promise, because they're being really quiet. Like, they're being super quiet. So we just want to make sure that folks know that they're here as well. Well, at least, you know, the phones aren't going off. I guess if somebody phones one off, you know, maybe it wouldn't be it's the possible. worst. There is somebody in the room here with us. That is possible. So, but, you know, evolving beyond that, you know, as we move towards Labor Day, really the closing to the summer driving season, you know, demand is likely to go up. And the question that at least I'm hearing from now is what are prices going to do, right? That's what consumers really want to know about. And everyone's like, oh, prices are going to go up. It's a holiday without really understanding. Well, first of all, we have some uh, refinery issues that are contributing to the rise in price. Everyone just always thinks before the holiday prices are always going to go up. And actually, a lot of the time, as we found this this last week, right, prices actually went down. Yep. So consumers facing uh, gas price for labor to actually seeing the national average go down. A little bit of a disconnect. Gasoline is going down. Diesel is going up. So kind of a unique uh, opportunity for discussion that gasoline season is ending. And with it, usually prices moderate, especially when we get out of the RVP season, uh, which what we call summer versus winter gasoline. RVP for the common listener? Read vapor pressure. Okay. Uh, that's basically the time of year that the EPA mandates certain blends of gasoline that retailers sell. The big cities have to use reformulated gasoline. It burns cleaner, so you don't have as many ozone action days, or at least vehicle emissions aren't causing a lot of that low-level ozone. And so once we get to September 16th, that's the magic date, we go back to winter gasoline. So along with it, we should see a 10 to 15 cent uh, difference or moderation, a drop in prices. Of course, there's always a the question, what's OPEC going to do? Because the price of oil hasn't been as high for the first time in seven weeks. Oil prices last week dipped. So we'll take the break we can get, right? I'll um, take any price cut I can get in gas. You know, you know, <laughs> that, me. that I just drive means you're going to go into the C store, right? And spend it there. Uh, usually. Yes. That's, 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 that's very true. <laughs> An extra breakfast sandwich or a great cup coffee. Of coffee. I mean, yeah. there's all energy drinks. Yep. I feel well, like I, a Red Bull right about I don't now. do energy drinks uh, so much. I, mine is, my energy is coffee for the okay. most part. And you know, I can consume plenty of that. Put an energy drink in me. That, that could be scary. I'm going to just point that out. <laughs> He, on the other hand, 
He that, that's energy. what I live on. I, you know, I've I know. got a couple of Red Bulls in my room that I brought along with me just in case I needed some of that late night energy. <laughs> you know, traveling overseas, by the way, just got back from France where gasoline is a diesel. I think we just spent 85 euros on 45 liters. Extremely expensive. So while we're talking about the national average and price of diesel here at $4, I mean, talk oh, yeah. about filling up a tank of an average vehicle for what, 90? I think the, the credit card charge came through as $90. So what is that, like nine or 10 bucks a gallon? That is not cheap per gallon. That's I think uh, That's all crazy. I know. Hey, we do have one. See, we do have we do have people here. Yes, One's we have going a question. We have a question. <laughs> we didn't go outside to pull her in. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad you guys went international because that's kind of where my question is. With Absolutely. the introduction of BRICS and obviously Russia and the Ukraine war and obviously what's going on with France and Africa and the African countries, how do we see that impacting the global supply of, of petroleum products? Well, it's really interesting, um, especially you mentioned Africa, because some of the, uh, we actually have a massive new refinery coming online, the Danko refinery coming online, Nigeria. It's really interesting watching BRICS, which is kind of a new alliance between countries happening and, and how that could kind of change the format. Um, when it comes to petroleum markets, the, the really difficult spot the last couple of years has been having to do with refining capacity. Um, we saw COVID, which decimated demand for gasoline. Refineries shut down because nobody really knew at the time how quickly gasoline demand would come back. Well, enter 2022, we all had cabin fever. We got sick of, you know, drinking ourselves silly at home and sitting at home twiddling our thumbs. So Americans hit the road last summer. That's when that lack of refining capacity or the shutdowns that occurred really hit us in the face and we hit $5 a gallon. And some of these countries now in that alliance, including India, China, areas of Africa, are where a lot of this new refining capacity is coming online. And so our relationships, U.S. relationships with some of these countries is really top of mind. We haven't been you know, aligning with China lately, and China hasn't been doing us any favors with their refining capacity, which now I believe China's refining capacity is greater than U.S. refining capacity, rivaling 20 million barrels a day. And so the Chinese economy, which has been really struggling as of late, they have not been using that capacity to export product into the global marketplace. And that's part of the reason why prices for diesel, jet fuel, gasoline has been higher because China has not been exporting as much product. But the interesting part is, as I said, going back to Africa, some of the major refinery expansions that we see globally are coming from Africa, which is some of these countries, Nigeria, Libya, are very oil rich, but refinery poor, meaning that they export oil and then have to import products. But now they've opened uh, the Dangote refinery in Nigeria, 650,000 barrels a day, which would basically be the top tier, one of the largest refineries in the US if it was here. It's the largest single train refinery, which means there's not separate units, it's all one big unit. So if it goes down, it'd be problematic. But that refinery is coming online and it will be exporting products into the Northeastern United States, especially when uh, the opportunity opens. And for the Northeastern United States, we've seen the shutdown of Philadelphia Energy Solutions Refinery in 2019. That's a huge loss. And so some of these refineries that are positioned in Africa will be able to export now into some of those markets. And by the way, keep in mind, Europe has seen a lot of shutdowns of refineries too, because the United States has kind of the, the trifecta, cheap natural gas, um, well supplied with oil. And so Europe refineries have been shutting down as well, not to mention the labor strikes in Europe, which have made it really challenging. So some of those BRICS countries are going to be some of the biggest 
Um, changes are going to be refining capacity there. And a lot of those countries, India, China, if we see our improvement uh, in our relationship, uh, and especially Africa, are going to start being the countries that export more of that petroleum. So depending on how that alliance emerges, they're going to have a lot of refining capacity that certainly in this day and age is going to be well needed as economies really get back online from COVID. So I think that's a great question. And that's where a lot of the uh, emerging refining capacity is. Next question. Anybody else? It, it, that alliance is kind of interesting. And, yeah. and, and looking at the members of it and looking at U.S. relationships, Russia's part of it. And obviously, we don't see eye to eye with Russia. We don't see eye to eye with China. I think that's I don't know if that's me kind of jumping to the conclusion. I think that's kind of the sentiment here. I hope I'm not. If anyone disagrees, feel free. But um, it's interesting watching that alliance emerge, and we'll have to keep an eye on, on how it continues to do business because it's all been about alliances lately and partnerships. And keep in mind, Russia and the ongoing war in Ukraine, uh, China has been a major beneficiary of some of that depressed uh, Russian crude oil that nobody else wants to buy, obviously, because it signals support. And supporting the Russian economy is, you know, um, well, India has been buying a lot of it as well. So, and that's been behind this real change in flow. Russia's continued to export product into developing countries, but that remains why uh, gasoline prices still are above where they'd normally be is because a lot of countries still don't want to buy Russian crude oil. And, you know, the, the uh, price cap, which is arguably not so effective, is basically giving China and India an open door to import a lot of oil. And China's been buying a lot of that Russian oil simply to fill its equivalent of the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve we have. China has been building their own reserve, but once it's full, it's full. So it's going to be really interesting seeing once China fills its reserves, where that Russian oil is going to go. Keep in mind, China's economy has really been faltering and there's not as much demand there. So that really could impact the price of Russian crude oil moving forward which had, would have global implications potentially then. We do have one more question. Hey, guys, have a question. Just want to take it back to current events for a little bit. Sure. With Hurricane Adelia rapidly progressing towards Florida, what is the best way for C-Store owners, like there are so many at this conference and in our, in our industry, to get in touch with GasBuddy and kind of be able to help manage the situation for themselves and for their customers during the storm? Great question. I mean, moving forward, we're here. So after, come up to us. Otherwise, uh, you know, we can, uh, I think Giles is on premise, as I mentioned too. Um, business Pages has, uh, has the ability to, during times, you know, where there are disruptions, whether they be in Florida or if they're in Arizona or wherever disruptions can happen, the Colonial Pipeline, um, the Gas Buddy platform can utilize your information, whether that's just you telling us, yes, no, you have gasoline. Um, we can push that out when our when our system is active, and that will show the 25 million uh, active gas buddy users where they can find gasoline. You don't want to direct them to an empty station, obviously, so that's really important that you know we're directing them to stations that have fuel. It's a very quick adjusting. In times past, in 2017, we even can intake uh, like uh, um, Excel files if you you know know your stations. Uh, information, we can ingest that and basically that would then um, be updated in the back end for Gas Buddy. And so if you have a station that has fuel, we can show consumers that station. They'll be able to see when it was updated by who. And you can steer consumers away from a negative experience of, you know, finding a station that doesn't have a gas or waiting in line. I mean, some of the times you're just not going to be able to avoid some of those negative situations where people are thinking that you'll have gas and you don't. But uh, reach out to us. Um, 
I think uh, pages at gasbuddy.com is the email. Otherwise, just come up to me after or Giles, as I mentioned. Giles Orban is around here as well. So we're happy to you know make those connections so that it's a win for everyone, really, when people can find fuel and see stores can leverage the platform to be able to get consumers uh, into those stations. And you, you mentioned something along those lines for folks that maybe don't realize, help us understand how much busier the app gets. It's already busy, yeah. but when 1.5 million people have been ordered to evacuate, when they're searching for a gas station that still has gas because 1.5 million people need to get gas. How much busier does the system get for you? Well, um, extremely busy. In the modern day of AWS and Amazon, you know, you can ramp up instances very quickly, but still, I mean, our, our IT team very quickly has to shut down any unnecessary services because there have been times where, you know, it, it's been so busy that we just can't keep up even with with added instances so i mean we're talking about in real time there will be millions of people downloading the app checking the app and they're frequently checking the app so that could really hamstring our operations and and really require an increased you know technology uh, base to keep our app online i mean but um, you know, back in 2017, when we were the number one app in the app store, I mean, we're talking about millions of downloads, especially because oftentimes when there are outages, uh, the Gas Buddy app is, you know, front of mind for politicians will mention it. Governors will mention mm -hmm. it. FEMA, sometimes the White House may mention it. Um, FEMA likes to mention Gas Buddy and Waffle House. I mean, they right? do have the Waffle Every, House everybody, Index. Right, the Waffle House Index. That's a How real thing. How many Waffle thing. Houses are going to close? Yeah. Are they open? Are they closed? If Waffle House is closed, there's a problem. If they're open, but uh, yeah, Gas Buddy at Waffle House. FEMA has a tendency to mention you guys And if, uh, if you've seen some of these media reports, I mean, we've already had requests from the media on how do they get the Gas Buddy information into their website into their newscast. So we're already seeing interest. And this was even before Gasbody activated its outage tracker. So very quickly, uh, brand loyalty, I think, would be very important for convenience stores at this point. Uh, that's It's kind of an almost an opportunity. Well, you know, it's a relationship, right? Yeah. So relationship, consumers are looking to go to their the stations they're loyal to. And that really can enhance. I mean, talk, talk about going through a negative event. And, and this is why, you know, it's so important to us that we do right by our users. The, the reason we activate this is for our users um, to make sure that they can get out of harm's way. And you know, the reason why in 2017, we went down to embed with the Florida CERT team was to make sure our users can get out and, you know, we have millions of them, so it's really critical that we're serving them in the way that we need to. You slept on a cot. I remember that. And we've got one more question. So I have a two-part question. Number one, if we wanted to, I guess, partner with GasBuddy, how do we make sure that we get our information to you guys as far as the levels in our tanks? Is it like an ATG feed? Is there an automatic export that we're able to feed you guys to make sure that our customers are able to get the most current information? Um, that's number one. And then number two kind of goes to what you were talking about as far as the emergency thing. Um, I, when something like that happens, obviously it's a nationwide company, but do you kind of shut down geographic areas so that you can fully support and be online that the traffic gets to where it needs to go? So to answer your question there, uh, the way our tracker works is we activate for an entire state. And so, you know, if you have operations in only one of those states that's affected, you, you know, and in terms of ingesting that data, 
Um, a lot of this is still somewhat of a manual process because this is kind of extenuating circumstances and development um, has shifted away from something that's used once a year. So that might be the trickier side on, on getting that data to us. A lot of the time, I know we have Excel. A lot of the time, business pages, that there's a, back, uh, a platform, right, that you could tie into and log in, and then you could manage it on your side. Um, so we can, you know figure out which is the best way depending on your use case and how many stores you have. But then going back to how that's operated again, it's by state. So right now, GasBuddy activated this tool, which then if anyone in Florida, Georgia, or South Carolina visits the GasBuddy app, they have special prompts. And so that's how we would activate it. So it would really only affect, again, if you have operations in many states, this would be something you're only feeding us for several states. And depending on the in ingestion of data, um, you know, and sometimes depending on your level, we just want to yes, no, do you have, da uh, do you have gasoline? And if you want to preface it by saying we're getting low, that's also really critical to feed to consumers so that they don't have an, a false expectation that you will have fuel understanding the extenuating circumstances. So there's a lot of use cases, but we can have that conversation. And for her other question, you don't shut down other geographic areas inside gas. But in other words, somebody in California can still get access to the app and still use it like so normal. For somebody in California, they won't have any of that information. Yeah. Uh, they won't, you know, we, we don't ingest that data. So outage data would not be live in California. And so right now we are working on geo-targeting uh, smaller areas because there are other circumstances that may not warrant an entire state. But this, the focus has been on widespread disruptions like Colonial. By the state has been the way we've activated things. And so for now, um, uh, again, there are you know imminent disruptions likely in those three states and that's why we activated. We can always add another state if, if the forecast changes and then we would just start ingesting data for an additional state. So that's how that works. Awesome questions so far. That's, uh, it's, it's forcing us to think, which is good. And by the way, if there's a widespread disruption, again, if there's a pipeline somewhere else, this is applicable to that other situation as well. So again, as long as it's a widespread event, um, you know, things, weather that's fast moving, that's a question I always get from the media is, are you going to activate for a wildfire tornado? I mean, generally, these are so localized that the user experience is not as pleasant. You obviously want to have your users, you know, if this is a widespread issue, you also, you know, there's a lot of strings to pull. When you send us your data, it takes, you know, productivity away. And so we generally um, do this when there is a large um, imminent uh, event such as a hurricane. Any other questions? Oh, we've got we've got multiple questions here. Uh, let's see who gets to whom first. Terrific. And it's great. The creative juices are flowing. They may not even have to clap at the end to prove they're all here, I'm saying. <laughs> who goes first? Hi. I drew the lucky ticket. <clears throat> My question is kind of piggybacking onto what you said about weather events and just like large scale disruptions. How are you determining what constitutes a large scale disruption like when are you saying okay yes we're pushing play is it tied to a state of emergency declaration is it tied to like european forecast models like what is it tied to million dollar question um using my background and kind of understanding how the two coincide it's something that basically i trigger um, last night, I was, as Matt and I talked about, we're watching forecast models very carefully. 
Um, obviously, the intensity in terms of a hurricane would be key. Uh, category one or two, kind of anticipating that fewer people are going to depart if it's like a low-level tropical system versus if it's a category five, there's going to be a lot more movement. So kind of using the knowledge um, after you know looking at how, how our users have reacted to this, it's basically a manual process of we anticipate a you know high risk of disruption. And again, it's going to change. It's not always a hurricane. It's not always weather. You know, like the pipeline issue, that was an immediate, we see this is going to be a disruption because this is a major piece of infrastructure. So there's usually multiple things. I think for a hurricane, the intensity, the forecast track, how many users are in the potential path. Florida's a very populous state now, and so that's one of the things that goes into it. But, um, you know, as soon as we get off, I'm going to be looking at the latest forecast models, and if the, if the cone of uncertainty changes, that's what we're watching. So it's very manual, very human-oriented, and again, if, if it's a high-level disruption, that's what we're looking at. And I think right now, last night, I was kind of leaning towards not activating because it was looking like a Category 2 storm. Um, but now we're going to err on the side of caution as it now looks like it might be a three or four. There is a state of emergency. So, you know, we also have to realize that we have um, Gas Buddy um, has a rule not to, you know, panic people by activating this needlessly. So there's a very high threshold that in our minds has to be met um, because when the media inevitably talks about the tracker being active, um, we do not want that to be a moment where people start to, you know, Panic. It, every time that we talk about the situation now, it's urging motors. In fact, our press release, fuel is flowing. People very get very nervous when they see something abnormal. The first gas uh, bag on a pump, they get very unnerved because that's something that people aren't accustomed to seeing. And then add in the anxiety of a major, um, you know, major hurricane, people get very nervous. And so it becomes a, a very delicate message to convey that we've activated the tracker. Uh, hopefully that covered it. Okay. Yes, sir. So I had a clarification and then a question. Uh, on the clarification, you talked about uh, filling vehicles that take 87 with higher grade. Um, I would love for you guys to confer uh, that putting lower grades is not recommended uh, and so just to make sure that people understand, hey, if you use a, a 92 or an 89 or, or whatever that happens to be in the different areas, yeah, uh, some they shouldn't because there's there's compression uh, dynamics, top yep. dead center elements where it's where you're getting that and you can actually cause damage. But obviously, in event of emergency, you should always uh, fill so you can continue moving. Um, but uh, and then I have a question after that. Sure. Well, yeah. And if, if we can split it up so we can cover that more adic yeah. adequately. So to, to the point being made, um, if your car requires high octane, Putting in low octane is absolutely not recommended. Not a and, good idea. You know, as somebody right. who used to tune vehicles and throw 25 pounds of pressure through my turbo, you understand octane is a measure of a car's ability to resist pre-ignition. Pre-ignition can be very catastrophic. Mm -hmm. Fuel igniting before it's supposed to can cause extreme engine damage. Um, but in life and death instances, it's really, uh, as was mentioned, compression in an engine is very critical. A lot of newer model vehicles have higher compression because it makes them more efficient. Um, if it was me, and I, I, like I said, I would not recommend this, um, but in, in a case where you do not have any, let, let's say you end up in a situation where there's only regular, um, as long as you are not pushing that engine anywhere near its capabilities, Engines, a lot of modern engines have knock sensors, not to rely on those, but you know, I would still not recommend if your car needs 93 octane, 
uh, I would not recommend filling up with anything less than that. So if your car requires 87, it's okay to put in a higher number, but it's generally not okay to put in a lower number of octane than your car recommends or requires. Thank you for bringing that up. That's a very good, a very good uh, thing that, to mention as well. And now what's your question? Okay. So uh, it's probably better I went second because it's kind of a long-winded uh, but I'm hoping to actually tie some of these dynamics of um, with the emergency dynamics, uh, adding the domestic feature uh, and international. So when we look at the elements of, uh, I, I had the pleasure of uh, being in the oil industry a long time, starting in upstream. Uh, I've been in California, Central Valley, uh, really big upstream uh, uh, presence there. Uh, but in the last five years, I've seen it uh, uh, significantly wane due to legislation um, to the degree that a five mile uh, set of leases, a square mile set of leases that I worked at uh, actually transitioned from being able to produce uh, 12,000 uh, barrels a day to they're probably doing about uh, 4,000 uh, barrels now. Uh, and when we look at that, uh, we're, where would that, if, if California's um, uh, decreasing it, the state's ability to create supplies for refineries, where would that supply come from, uh, potential international dynamic? And then if we actually had those supplies available to us, would, we be, would, would there be opportunities that we could uh, send these fuels uh, to places in need? So. Yeah, and to answer your question, that's that's what the Gulf Coast is. The Gulf Coast has so much capacity with refineries. If it wasn't for the Gulf Coast, Latin America and South America would be between a rock and a hard place because they rely on those Gulf Coast refineries. The access capacity that they provide goes to Latin America and South America. And to your point, you know, California still needs oil. If they're shutting down the ability to pump oil in California, that's just going to mean that, hey, refiners are going to have to find it from elsewhere. And a lot of the, the, a lot of the oil right now that comes from Saudi Arabia – um, is going to California to bridge that gap. Uh, Alaska sends California some supply through the ANS. Alaska North Slope crude oil comes down. Um, but yeah, you're going to, you know, California has been kind of the out in front in terms of the electric uh, uh, transformation that's happening. But in the meantime, California is still one of the largest consuming gasoline consuming states in the country. And that means, you know, refineries out there have been under a lot of pressure. Regulation has ramped up. That's part of the reason the regulatory burden is part of the reason why California is just off to the race. When you talk about states with highest prices, nobody's even close to California. Um, California is the highest because of all the regulatory burden, the carbon management program that it has, high gasoline taxes, the fact that supply is coming from further away, generally at a higher cost. Um, so if you see more states adopting that approach, you know, if Texas were to suddenly just clamp down, that would be hugely problematic. Um, and it is problematic that California is basically substituting supply it can get. Now it's pulling in more uh, foreign oil. And that's been, you know, that's been a very um, polarizing thing right now, especially when U.S. has capacity. But, you know, don't expect that to change. I think California has been very clear on the direction it's heading. And unfortunately, it's just going to... Uh, it's just going to mean that California is more reliant on those Middle Eastern supplies. And, and as we saw, as Europe increased its reliance on Russia for energy, how that worked for them, it may end up the same way for California if something should happen to its reliable source of Middle Eastern crude oil. And, and right now, keep in mind, too, I, I think it's kind of a contentious relationship 
between Saudi Arabia and the United States. So we, we've seen that, um, you know, President Biden has gone over to Saudi Arabia to ask them to produce more crude oil, and it seems to be going the opposite way. So there seems to be a widening disconnect um, between the stance from Saudi Arabia. And you can't ignore the implications that that has for gasoline prices. If, if Saudi Arabia, which, by the way, back in June when oil was $65 a barrel, Saudi Arabia said, hey, you know, we need $80 a barrel. We're going to cut production. And, of course, the White House wants more affordable oil. So um, uh, there's obviously uh, a contentious relationship there. Thank you for that question. appreciate it. Um, any other questions? Awesome. Well, let's talk very quickly about Labor Day weekend. We know that it's coming up very soon, uh, within the next uh, week or so. Um, <laughs> it's a little tumultuous to try to predict any kind of major price swings at this point, since some of the infrastructure slash system uh, is under the threat of a hurricane. But you have your crystal ball. What are you seeing? Uh, crystal ball, you know, it's, it's like one of those uh, magic eight balls. It just changes its answer all the time. Um, you, you know, if, if it wasn't for, you know, and, and this highlights that predictions are only as good as the current events happening right now, because if something happens in 10 minutes, that may greatly change the game. Like Thursday afternoon last week when um, when all of a sudden there was a naphtha storage tank at, at Marathon's refinery in Garyville, one of the largest in the country, kind of changed the game for a day or two. For now, it looks like I think prices will uh, will maybe trend a little bit lower. The market is quite a bit negative today, and that's good news for consumers, is that uh, C-stores will be able to pass on a little bit lower costs. Now, keep in mind, there is a lot of volatility in the market right now. Part of that is because of OPEC. Part of that is because the U.S. economy, the Chinese economy. Um, there is an endless amount of things that could just basically brew overnight, you know, and, and keeping in mind the tropics are very active. And as I oh, mentioned, yeah. our reliance on those Gulf Coast refineries, I think about half of the nation's total refining capacity is in the Gulf states. And if you see a storm venture into the Gulf of Mexico, that is not going to be good, especially considering Labor Day's pent up level of demand. I mean, it's one of three summer holidays and Americans have a lot of traditions for those holidays. So could you see some regional price fluctuations? So like like the Southeast price for Excellent wholesale question. gasoline or the Midwest, because they're not going to shut down the refineries, but they may not be yeah. able to ship the gasoline off to the Southeast for a few days. So then what happens? Yeah, million dollar question. I think we're at a point where right now, some of the, some of the and, and people have probably heard us talk about price cycling markets. There are some markets, especially in the Midwest, the Great Lakes, even Florida now engages in price cycling where you see prices trend lower and lower and lower, and then they jump up and then they go back down. And that's kind of the cycle. Some of those Great Lake states may see a price cycle before Labor Day. Um, I know we just saw one or are seeing one now in Ohio. Prices jumping back up today, and part of that has to do with the the wholesale price of gasoline shot up late last week as a result of that refinery. Now it's easing down, but it's kind of too late. We may see some states in the Great Lakes, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio today, Kentucky, could see a, a modest what we'll call price reset, the same price they saw about two weeks ago. Um, Florida may see one, but I think most states will trend a little bit lower. The worry is those areas that price cycle may see a cycle before it, uh, before the holiday weekend, which is uh, a week from today. So, you know, motorists uh, probably sooner rather than later should fill up in those price cycling markets. But if not, there's really not anything to worry about too much. The good news, September 16th is only a couple of weeks away. And with it, we should see a lot of those big cities, by the way, Chicago, St. Louis, um, the entire really uh, eastern seaboard, uh, New York City, you know, Boston, um, uh, that whole area is going to revert back to non-reformulated gasoline when that transition happens. So the biggest cities in the nation that have to use that special reformulated blend are the biggest beneficiaries 
of switching back to winter gasoline. So uh, by mid and late September, there's going to be more downward pressure on gasoline. But, you know, as we sit here, there's been more stories about diesel. And some of the retail outlets have been mentioning diesel because now the price of diesel is back at its highest level since March. Diesel and heating oil are basically the same product. And a lot of Americans don't understand that heating oil is still used in a lot of households, especially in the Northeast. So coming into the cooler months, diesel demand is starting to go up. In addition, we saw are seeing propane demand go up as people are starting to fill those propane tanks as well. So some products see a lot more demand in the winter, heating oil, heating products, and some uh, products see much lower demand in the cooler months, gasoline, because Americans, nobody really wants to cruise Route 66 when, you know, the snow flurries are flying. So Well, we threatened, we threatened to do that this we, past we, summer. We've talked about it. And the boys upstairs decided we're going to put them out in Denver and, and let them talk. And people actually showed up. I, uh, yeah. So thanks, everyone, for showing up, too. Absolutely. And since we are wrapping up the podcast, uh, for those who are listening right now, would you give them one really big, giant applause? Would you do that for us? See? There are people here. It's not just a padded room. That's right. That's right. And we'd like to thank everyone for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, we are here in Denver at the PDI Users Conference 2023. This has been a special edition of Over a Barrel, and we will be here for days longer. Stay tuned. We'll be keeping you informed on all kinds of different topics. And for those of you uh, impacted by the hurricane, yeah, we will be watching that very carefully for you as well. And we will let you know if there's anything special that we need to uh, to place we'll onto the podcast. We'll be right here. Thanks for joining us. Have a great one.